We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the hills of Strawberry Canyon, I'm Coin Dang, and this is the Golden Bear Cast. Let's go, go Bears! And welcome back to another episode of the California Golden Bear Cast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Rob Wong. Of course, this episode is a Knowing the Enemy episode, which means it's just me, uh, no Andy, but we're here with Brian to talk about the Arizona Wildcats, our matchup this week. And uh, uh, forgive me, but uh, we have to exercise some demons out in the desert. Uh, so hopefully this interview gleans some uh, some more information on how the Bears can accomplish that this upcoming week. But Brian, how are you uh, doing this uh, Wednesday afternoon? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I, I didn't realize that uh, this um, curse in Arizona applied beyond Tucson. Um, and, but then I started thinking that the, uh, the infamous cheese it bowl happened in Phoenix. So yep. yeah. Okay. So I understand that this extends beyond Southern Arizona. Yes. This, this, uh, this is for the whole state. Uh, my first time going into the state of Arizona for was for that cheese it bowl. And I told myself I would not enter that state again until we had won an away game without me present. So Hopefully, this is the week for us. Um, this is probably the best opportunity. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to talk about, right? We're going to talk about the the Wildcats and uh, the season so far, and so on. So, uh, give me the give me the quick summary of a fan that's probably just looking at Arizona's record and going, "Is it as bad as it seems, or is it just they haven't caught some breaks that they might have wanted?" Uh, well, let's put it this way: uh, Arizona's probably the best team in college football history that has a 20 game losing streak. Um, you know, there aren't very many of those, but uh, if you look at you kind of have to break it down stuff before this year, the 12 losses, the seven to end 2019, and then the zero and five record in the COVID season really don't correlate too much to this. There are a lot of the same players involved, but it's a, it's a new coaching staff. It's a new system, all of that. And it's it's pretty much a, a patchwork roster that Arizona is dealing with. They lost a lot of players after Kevin Sumlin was fired. Uh, Jed Fish and his staff brought in a, a ton of guys from the, the transfer portal, not many from 
the high school ranks in terms of guys they signed. So it's a lot of plugging of holes. There's a mix of one-year grad transfers and then younger transfers that they're hoping to be able to develop over time, but a lot of them are playing with this. And the the weird thing about Arizona is, so they're 0-8 this year, and they've been outscored by a bunch of points, yet six of their eight games they have either been leading or within one score of their opponent in the fourth quarter. So this isn't like a team that's losing every game 45-0. They've had a couple games where they've been blown out, but uh, the only one that they were blown out from start to finish was San Diego State, second game of the year, and San Diego State has also beaten uh, Utah this year. So they're a very good team. They were unbeaten until this past week. Uh, Arizona just, they the Jedfish keeps bringing up that they they haven't earned the right to win they haven't figured out how to win yet. They, they've been able to stay close, but they just don't have all the pieces to be able to get past that hump. Well, I mean, I guess we have to talk about Jed Fish a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what was the expectations? Was the expectation coming into this year that it was going to be a bit of a rebuild and a, and a rough patch? Or um, did did you kind of look at the roster and go, Jed Fish is coming in. He's a well-known offensive-minded coach. Maybe we could score some points and maybe sneak out a couple of of wins here and there. And as you alluded to, I mean, you guys were leading in quite a few games this year, too. Uh, Anybody who realistically thought that this could be like a quick fix doesn't look close enough at how bad things got. I mean, it totally bottomed out under Kevin Sumlin. They lost his final game against ASU, the Territorial Cup. They lost 70 to 7 at home. Mm-hmm. And it was like 21 nothing within five minutes or something. ASU returned the opening kickoff, then Arizona fumbled, ASU scored, then Arizona gave it back, ASU scored. And everybody quit and it was just gone. The fact that so uh, there are any players that stuck around from that group to come back is a testament to the motivation that Jed and his coaches, his staff have done to try to keep players motivated in addition to bringing in the new ones. But it's still it, it's it's a long process. He's used the it's the uh, trust the process a bunch of times this year, and and I can understand how it's frustrating for fans, thinking that you know without not having that tangible result of a win. But uh, if the same team from last year were playing this year, the results would have been a lot worse. There would have been a lot of giving up. You probably would see half the team gone by this point in the year. They they gave up on Sumlin and that staff pretty quickly. And they haven't in this one. I mean, just this past week against USC, they were down 35 to 14 at the half. And with an 0 and 17, with uh, I believe a few weeks back on TV, they said there's 50 something players on this roster that have never won a college football game. <sighs> and so they could have easily just said, whatever, we're, we're done with this. We've got a few weeks left. Let's ride out the string, find a, find another school. Instead, they outscored uh USC 20 to six in the second half and on two occasions were within one score. Now I know this is not a vintage USC team, but they were playing on the road. They really had nothing to play for, but they still showed a lot of heart. So there's promise there. It's just, it's still just not a good team. Well, I mean the, from an outsider who's not linked in with the program, the one thing I saw on the social medias uh, over the last month or so that I, I got to ask about was the tryout 
uh, post that that came up. Mm-hmm. What was was that just a, a result of injuries and not having enough bodies, or is it just the usual thing but just delayed later into the year? What was the situation there? It was really bad timing, is what it came out to, and everything. Um, that every team does these tryouts at some point in the year to try to mm-hmm. be able to add some walk-ons, some fresh bodies, and things yep. like that. And with Arizona getting a new staff, they they didn't see it appropriate to do it during the spring because they didn't even know what they had with their own team. They were just bringing in priority walk-ons and whatnot. And then trying to do it maybe sometime in the summer or the first few weeks of school before um, the season begins, uh, Jed told us that he wanted to wait until the entire team and staff were 100% vaccinated so that didn't have to worry about if you brought in a walk-on or brought in people that hadn't had to have uh, a vaccination for any requirement. Because in Arizona, um, the schools here are not allowed to require it like they may be in other Mm -hmm. uh, parts of the Pac-12. He wanted to wait until that was over, and it just happened to be in the middle of the season. And so the optics of it made it look like, oh, Arizona is so hard up for players that they're just trying to drag guys off campus to play. They didn't add anybody from there. They they looked at some people but didn't see there was a case. They were hoping maybe there's a chance that some guy who, uh, if he if his high school season was canceled uh, last year because of COVID and got completely overlooked and is at the school, maybe he can do something. But nothing came from it. So uh, it was a bigger deal uh, on social than it really was in in reality. See, this is why I love talking to the guys that are in the loop because now, <laughs> now it's not a joke anymore. Now it's a, I totally get it. I totally well, get it. Well, and, and another thing to point out, ASU actually did theirs during the season. They did it, um, I think, over right on Labor Day, which was a couple days after their first game of the season. Uh-huh. So they scheduled it for that time just because that's where it fit in. So technically that one was in the season as well. But because ASU had won their first game and there were high expectations, it didn't look the same way as a team with, at that point, 16, 17 losses in a row, looking like they were uh, just hoping that they could bring people out of the crowd to play. Absolutely. All right. So we'll, we'll pivot a little bit and talk about more of the, the on-field product. Um, where's the strengths or weaknesses been with the offense, uh, with, you know, Jed Fish? Uh there's really not a lot of strengths on the offense. It's it's it definitely is a group that is still trying to figure it out. And this last game was by far the best production out of them. 34 points, 27 of which were on offense, uh, which almost doubled their season scoring average of 14.6 points per game. It's the first time they'd scored 20 points since late last season and it was the longest stretch by an fbs team since rutgers went 11 in a row in 2018 without scoring 20 points and it was a mix of every time they get in the red zone suddenly there'd be a hold or some sort of penalty or a sack or anything to that effect that they just couldn't get anything going they were great between the 20s but once inside the 20s some of that has to do with the fact that they've played three different quarterbacks Mm-hmm. And before the injuries popped up, that it was because of performance. Gunnar Cruz won the job out of camp, did great his first game against BYU, and then looked horrible the next game. Will Plummer came in, couldn't do anything. Jordan McLeod, a transfer from South Florida, mm-hmm. finally got his opportunity. Uh, he, If he had been able to be here for spring ball, he probably would have won the job in the summer, but he didn't arrive until June. That put him behind. And 
he threw five interceptions in his first game against Oregon, yet still looked more competent than the other two quarterbacks in terms of being able to fit into the offense. He just forced things. And then the next game, he corrected that and looked great. And then he gets a knee and an ankle injury. Yep. So then they have to go back to Gunner Cruz. And Gunner, the, the biggest thing about him, um, I've joked a couple times that it's it's very ironic that a guy named Gunner is trigger is trigger shy. He he's very <laughs> hesitant with his throwing. Like that, all the quarterbacks have had this, except for maybe McLeod, where they've had open guys deep and they don't throw it and they wait too long and then they just have to check down or they get sacked or something to that effect. And he just always seemed to be afraid to to make that throw. Mm -hmm. And then he gets hurt against Colorado, injures his thumb. He actually the the pick six he threw in that game was with a damaged thumb he didn't tell anybody it was like two three plays before and 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 it's one of those freak things he scrambled and he tried to stiff arm a colorado player and he missed on the uh -oh. helmet and it ended up getting pulled backwards so you know it's just weird things like that so just now they're having some consistency where plumber's going to be starting for th the third game in a row and we haven't had that this season um They've had injuries at running back. They've had the offensive line is um, has had injuries, but also is just it's not a really good group. It's the only area on the team that they didn't address in the transfer portal. I think they just looked at it as we've got guys there. Um, let's just go with that. But this next period, I expect them to bring two, three, four potential transfers in at that. So it, it's just kind of a you. you there's no one that's horrible, but there's no one that's really good on offense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I mean, the follow-up question I got to ask to that about the offense is, as a as as a person watching, like, do you see what Jet Fish is trying to do with this offense, or is it a thing of, hey, these are the guys we have. Let's. It's not the kind of offense I want to run, but it'll at least score points with the guys we have, and we're just trying to gain some optimism within the program and just get get that momentum to go into next season. Uh, it it goes both ways, and we've seen it in in games like. He's run a lot of creative plays this year, some trick plays and some unique formations that sometimes work, sometimes don't work. Mm -hmm. And you can see where he wants to be uh, creative and I guess cute is how it would be, but it just doesn't fit with the guys he has. And so maybe you just have to go and be a little bit more basic. It, it's a pro style offense, but it's one where he wants to have some flair to it. They've run a hook and ladder 
with the running back. They did a double pass with with um, two different quarterbacks, one of which is the the converted wide receiver, Jamari mm-hmm. Joyner. Um, they've they've thrown uh, actually they've had that one a couple times. Um, they've they've done things where they've had their uh, quarterback be a lead blocker on a pitch to a running back. They've had a straight running back as the fullback. They've gone two tight ends with a fullback. They've done all these different things. Um, I think they don't think they have a good enough thing to run the same thing over and over and over again and just pound it down or or hit things that they have to keep mixing it up so that they keep the defenses um, honest a little bit. Okay. So with that, when Cal fans are watching this game on Saturday at noon, which offensive player should we be looking out for? Uh, by far the best playmaker on the team is Stanley Berryhill, um, a receiver who, uh, if he if he keeps it up, is going to challenge for the single-season receptions record. He's he's in, in the 50s, I think, right now. They're going to try to get the ball to him in whatever way possible. He will sometimes get a carry or one of those little uh, – jet sweep passes, things mm-hmm. like that to get him moving. He's he, he's he's able to find his way to get open and all of that. Um, and so they'll move him around the field as much as possible. Beyond him, um, they, they've got four different running backs that they now use, two younger guys, two older guys, and they all bring kind of a different thing. I think the, the one with the highest ceiling, the two with the highest ceiling are the youngest ones, Stevie Rocker Jr., who was an early entry from Tucson, uh, who's actually played some fullback this year in addition to uh, tailback. And then Jalen John, who is a Kevin Sumlin recruit. He's one of the few guys from like the 2020 class mm-hmm. that is playing significantly on this team. And I think that's that's something that has to be looked at for now and the future that um, most of the guys that Jed is playing that aren't the guys he and his staff brought in are the older ones. And then there's a huge drop-off before you get to uh, the, uh, some of the younger guys he's playing. he's There's there's walk-ons that he's brought in that are playing more than guys from the 20 and 21 classes that Sumlin signed. And so the fact that none of those guys have gotten into the game at this point, and with only four games left, I don't know if they're going to, You uh, that may be where they really have to address because you could, with all these juniors and seniors moving on and – they're going to be super young next year unless they they go transfer portal. Okay, let's flip side to the other side of the ball. Let's talk about the defense. Um, what's has there been any uh, like moral victories? I know I you know we've I've been through a one in eleven season too. So like I I we try to grasp at as many like you know optimistic points as as possible. But looking at this defense, uh, what are some of the optimistic things and what are some of the things that are just just downright just bad the defense is vastly improved from previous years mm-hmm. um it may not always look like it on the scoreboard because uh you know they'll get worn down and they'll give up some some scores of late but uh they're in terms of the raw statistical numbers they're much better this year they're actually pressuring the quarterback they are getting into the backfield the defensive line is by far the most improved position on the team, and it's a mix of new guys and ones that were already there that are just better fits in Don Brown's defense. The linebackers are almost all new and have really responded to the uh, the blitz-happy approach 
that Brown does. He's not blitzing nearly as much as he did during his time at, at Michigan and before that. Um, but he is moving guys all over the field and bringing people from a variety of directions, which then puts the secondary, the cornerbacks on an island. And both corners have done fairly well this year. And Arizona's way up there in pass defense, though the last few games, teams are starting to throw on them a little bit more. And that's mostly because their safeties have been struggling either because of injury or they're just not necessarily the best group. The The top two guys are really good. The problem is like this last game, Jackson Turner was ejected for targeting, I think on the seventh play of the game. And it's the second time this year he's been uh, knocked out for targeting. And the other guy who is normally starting uh, Gunnar Maldonado has been hurt and only played a few plays in that game. And there's a huge drop off there. They don't have the secondary doesn't have any depth to it compared to the, the linebacker, the front seven. So um, they've, they've tried to do things to address that, but um, they've, it's really weird. They, they were really bad against the run for the first few games and great against the pass. And now that they've gotten better defending the run, the pass has suffered from it. And it's usually the big play that gets them. They're not constantly giving up like nine, 10 yard receptions. It's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and then a big play here and there. Got it. All right. So, with that, is there a specific guy on the defense that Cal fans should be looking out for when we're watching that game on Saturday? Um, if he plays, um, he's dealing with a hit pointer, a guy named Mo Diallo. He's one of the defensive ends, and he was a last-minute addition from the portal. He'd played at Central Michigan. I can't remember which. Arizona's added so many guys from the MAC. It's, it's weird. They should be an honorary MAC team this year. <laughs> but he's... He's got a great story. This guy, they wanted to bring him in earlier on, but he spent his summer working on a fishing boat off the coast of Spain to make money for his family. And he had to do that before he could come and play anywhere. And so whenever he was in port somewhere, he would be able to communicate with the coaches. He showed up like the last week of practice and then started games a few weeks later. He just, he has a tremendous motor off the edge. And he occupies so much that it's made the other end, Jalen Harris, who's in his fifth year here now, um, really finally have a breakout season and uh, fits so well into what Don Brown wants to do with having his edge guys sometimes go in and sometimes come back out and play coverage and and lock up the middle. Those two guys have been really there. The, just the whole defensive line has been strong. It's just a matter of making sure that they stay healthy. There's five or six of them that are playing regularly, though. Okay. So then let's look at across the board. Is there one guy we haven't talked about that could probably swing the way for or swing the game to Arizona this weekend? Uh, well, I think Kyle Ostendorp, the punter, may be Arizona's only shot at a Pac-12 and all-conference player this year. Uh, he's averaging in the like over 47, I think, a kick. Um, he's he's got a great leg. Um, he needs to get a little bit better with uh, pinning on the shorter ones, but um, they uh, his ability to flip the field has has worked well in them. That uh, they they'd had such bad punting for a few years that like they almost had to want to go for it mm -hmm. in situations because they're not going to really be uh, doing much with field position. And um, I mean, I don't know how much punting will come into the game, but I'm expecting a fairly low scoring game. So maybe it would be 
Uh, it would behoove Arizona to have those situations. They've had twice this year where um, they've pinned teams back because of a punt. And actually, one of them I take back was from an interception. But Arizona has two safeties this year. So when they have those situations where they keep a team on uh, back into their goal line, they're usually able to get out of it. So that's one way that they can do that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, <clears throat> then let's talk about the winning scenario for Arizona. What does Arizona have to do to win this game and get their first win of the season? They have to not take away, take themselves out of winning situations and scoring opportunities. Uh, they're they're horrible in the red zone. Um, they're they're a little better lately, but it, it's so weird. It's like once they get inside the twenty or now even 25, you can almost start to predict the holding penalty or some sort of weird penalty or uh, like if they're first and 10 on 18 on the 18, it's almost a guarantee that that first down play is going to be negative because <laughs> something goes wrong. And um, if they can avoid that and actually make the most of every opportunity they have, um, that's going to embolden the defense and, um, I mean, the fact that the defense played as well as it did in the second half after having its worst first half um, this past week against USC was was very, very promising. Um, they have to avoid giving up the big plays um, they, and they need to get some of their own big plays. Arizona, until this past week, was bottom three nationally in plays, offensive scrimmage plays of 20 or 30 yards or more. In the country, they just weren't getting any sort of big plays. And that goes back to what I was saying before about with the quarterbacks always being hesitant to go deep. They took more deep shots in this past game than they did in any other game this year. And uh, while they don't want to make mistakes, they have to be willing to take a risk deep rather than force something in the middle. That's where the bad things have happened. Okay. Then. Let's flip to the other side. If you're if you're a Cal fan or if you were thinking as a Cal coach, what are you looking for and how to beat the Wildcats in this game? Well, um, you had mentioned in your responses that you sent to me for a, a Q&A that we'll be having up later that Cal is kind of on offense adjusted to what they see the defense mm -hmm. on film wants to do. And so I would imagine that if they think that the run is the better option or the pass is the better option, just stick with it and keep going. USC was running it down Arizona's throat and then decided to just start throwing it more uh, in the second half when they didn't need to. After Drake London got hurt, their passing wasn't as effective, but they still kept trying to go to it when they could have just easily just kept running. I just, if you find something that works against Arizona, just keep going. Um, I, uh, I, we haven't really had enough opportunity to see the in-game adjustments to those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when a team is, has picked on Arizona, they like Colorado, which was horrible passing the ball, picked on Arizona 
on deep shots and it worked and they just kept doing it the whole game. They didn't give up on it. So whatever Cal sees is their best strategy. They should just stick with it. Okay. Well, we got what Arizona has to do when we got what Cal has to do to win. How do you see the game going on Saturday? So much about what Jed fish has done uh, this first year and leading up to it was, um, it almost felt Hollywood-like, TV-like, where it's trying to, you know, pump everything up and get ready, but then deal with all this adversity. And then at some point, just have that, like, heroic victory where you see him getting carried off the field. <laughs> he brings in all these uh, – he's a huge name dropper and because he, he knows so many people because he's coached at 40 billion different places that – uh, he brings in these guys to talk to the team. He's had Steve Spurrier in town. He's had Brian Billick do Zoom with them. He, uh, what's his, the uh, the coach at for the Broncos, Vic Fangio? Mm-hmm. He's, he's had all these kind of guys doing this. I can just see a situation where, like, if and when Arizona finally gets that first win, he gets, like, carried off the field. And it just feels like a homecoming game during the day when Arizona never gets to play at home during the day would just seem like an opportunity to have one of those, oh my gosh, we finally did it kind of situations. So uh, as much as I've been burned in the past, I, I'm picking Arizona to win this game. They're definitely covering because it, it's weird. For as, as bad as they've been in their record, they're 4-1 and one against the spread as a double-digit dog. Mm-hmm. And the only game that they've lost was when they were 16-point home dogs to UCLA and Chip Kelly must have known that because up 31-16 with like three minutes left in the game, he kicked like a 45-yard field goal. And, you know, so everybody in the press box was doing their impressions of uh, uh, Charles Brock going, that's a bad beat, Scott Pell. Because <laughs> that's, that's kind of what it felt like. But uh, they were never not covering against USC. They were within one score against Oregon in the fourth quarter and then gave up some stuff. They, they seemed to play their best when – they're given no chance to win the game. And at some point that's going to actually translate into a victory. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, all I can say from a Cal fans perspective is hope springs eternal. My friend, <laughs> you'll get <laughs> oh, there. Yes. And, and hope is a dangerous thing. It is. A dangerous is that, thing. Yes. No. Uh, you know, there's, there's that hope, but there's also that understanding that if Arizona can't win this game, it's very unlikely that they will be able to win any game this year because the they get Utah at home next week. Then they go to Washington State, which is much better off now that mm-hmm. Nick Rolovich is gone. That's a Friday night game. Then they get the Territorial Cup. And I know that weird things can happen in rivalries mm-hmm. and, and with ASU struggling right now and, and facing potential recruiting violations, who knows what happens to that. But then you we're starting to look at the possibility of challenging for the all-time losing streak record which i believe is 34 from northwestern which would go into late next season arizona's got a a very tough non-conference next year someone decided to schedule north dakota state as a non-conference game which is a huge (laughs) no-no uh and then their other games they open at san diego state in san diego state's new stadium Mm -hmm. then they get mike leach coming into town with mississippi state and the North Dakota state. So it's not an easy, like there is the, the easy game they were supposed to have was the NAU game this year. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a game they were leading 13, nothing. Um, 13, nothing is, has now become 
Um, I tweeted at one point, it's Arizona's version of being up 3-1 in the series or leading 28-3 to because Arizona has now had three games during this 20-game losing streak where they have led 13-0 and lost. So if Arizona gets up 13-0, hammer the Cal money line. There's your there's your uh, betting advice right there <laughs> on the fly, on the fly betting advice. Well, I got uh, two questions to ask you to close. Mm-hmm. The first one is one we always ask uh, any writer, any fan that comes onto the pod. Uh, but once again, I always have to I always have to say this disclaimer: we do not condone violence. <laughs> we do not condone violence, but. If you're if you were in a concealed vacuum with no repercussions and could punch someone in the face, who would that person be? Um, probably Clay Travis <laughs> and anybody else who has made a living off being a professional contrarian um, who I don't think believes their own BS, but knows how much money they make off of it. Mm-hmm. Um I just don't like the the whole idea of that. Um, you know, the Skip Baylesses, people like that, mm. that are purposely having an opposite opinion just to, quote unquote, em- embrace debate or fire things up. Just not a big fan of that. So, yeah, if if given the opportunity, the, the problem is he's a lawyer. And so I'd probably get sued. Yeah. Once again, in a vacuum with no repercussions. So perfectly fine. True. Uh, the last thing uh, is... If Cal fans are making their way out to Tucson this weekend, with it with it being a day game, might not have too much time to tailgate before. But if they're in Tucson, what are some places that you would recommend the great Cal fans to visit, to eat, and so on on their trip? Well, then definitely get here on Friday if you can, um, or stay a little bit longer, but... Uh, if you're looking for a Tucson food item, um, it's the Sonoran hot dog, mm. which you can find all over. Uh, it is a bacon-wrapped hot dog topped with beans, cheese, tomatoes, jalapeno sauce, mayonnaise, and salsa in a sweet bun. And as long as you like hot dogs, it's heaven. So, uh, And you can get it pretty much any Mexican food place and even all the little roadside carts, which are all great. You know, it's it's a hot dog cart, but it's something good to get. And I would I would check out Fourth Avenue, which is kind of our eclectic bar scene, which connects the university area to downtown. Uh, you'll get a, a mix of possible places that, you know, you got some college bars, you got some hipster bars. There's a lesbian goth bar. So there's something for everybody there. And I, I would definitely check that out. Okay. There you have it. There's the tourism spots for when you visit Tucson. Um, lastly, Brian, before before I let you go, where can Cal fans read up more about the Arizona Wildcats with it being football season and then, of course, basketball season legitimately on the horizon coming up within the next week and a half-ish? So, Yeah, we're, uh, we're full on into basketball season now. And, and our, our website is azdesertswarm.com. We're part of the SB Nation Network, RIP California Golden Blogs. <laughs> um, and we, we're, we're all over everything. Um, and women's basketball has now reached the same pinnacle as men's basketball here in terms of fan interest and excitement and mm-hmm. expectation. Women's basketball team made the national championship game this past year. 
They're, uh, they, I think today the coaches poll came out and they're 15th nationally, they're 22nd on the, uh, in the media side. And then the men's team is just outside the top 25 new coach with mm-hmm. Tommy Lloyd coming from Gonzaga to take over for Sean Miller. There's a lot of excitement and anticipation here. So yeah, we got a lot going on and it, 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 it always helps when once basketball starts coming, because then when with football struggling, people are just like, okay, well, that's okay. We still have basketball. And, and now you have two avenues, men's and women's. Awesome. Well, that's where you can get all the Arizona Wildcat information. Once again, that's azdesertstorm.com. Well, uh, Brian, thanks again for joining the pod. Appreciate your time. And from myself and uh, our podcast, as always, go Bears. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.